Thank you, TJ. Appreciate you being here today. Thank you for being with us. It's good to have him. Uh, I met him up in the Washington, D.C. area when I was preaching up there at a conference, and he was the special music, and uh, I, uh, he's actually from Tennessee, so he's a little happy after the game yesterday. If, uh, if you had seen that, Scott and him were hitting it along just fine, getting along good just fine for that game. Boy, that was quite a game. Anyways, we're not here to talk about the game. Uh, I'm not a Tennessee fan, but I don't like Alabama, so I'm happy it won. <laughs> All right, take your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4. While you're finding your place in your Bible, the title of the message is, I know God can do it, but He won't, yet. And so that's my message today from Mark chapter 4, verse 21 to 33. While you're finding your place there, let me mention too that we have a table that we uh, bought a sponsorship table for um, the FCA, which is the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. They're going to be having a night of impact on October 25th at 6.30 p.m. at the Truist Stadium at the clubhouse level. And if you've ever been there, it overlooks the stadium, beautiful, beautiful facility there. And uh, we're going to be supporting the FCA by sponsoring a table. And we have six seats left. There'll be no charge to you, but if you're interested in going, I want you to call the uh, office and let the secretary know. We'll put you on a list. We'll take the first six. Kyle and I are going, and the speaker is Rusty LaRue. So many of you know Rusty LaRue from the area. He'll be speaking that night and giving a challenge to each of us. I'm, I'm excited about that opportunity. If you'd like to be a part of that, just let us know. Okay, Mark chapter 4, verse 21 to 34. Stand with me now as we read God's Word. <clears throat> Verse 21, and he said unto them, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret but that it should come abroad. And if any man has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, take heed what ye hear, with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given. And he that hath not from him shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast a seed into the ground, and should sleep, and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come." He said unto them, Where shall be likened the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up, and becometh greater than all the herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them, as were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. You may be seated. I want to start this message today with a question. How many of you have a goal or dream that you believe God is, or God, it is God's will for that goal or dream, but nothing is happening? I want you to just reflect on that for a minute. You have a goal or dream that you believe is God's will, and nothing is happening. 
Or maybe I should say, maybe a little something is happening, but not much. Now, if you have a big dream or goal, the truth of the matter is, I've experienced this in my life, you get, you get tired of a little real quick. You get frustrated, you can get discouraged, you can get confused. Because the thing is, we need God to do it, and it really isn't a big thing for God to do. I mean, he's God after all. He can do anything. And so we say to God, God, could you do this in my life? And, and it seems like very little is happening. You have this big dream or big goal, and very little is happening in your life. And you wonder, God, uh, it wouldn't take you the whole day, maybe just a little bit of your day. You could just kind of look my way, and the whole thing would be handled. And it doesn't happen that way. God sometimes puts something big in our heart, and we know God can do it, but he just won't. Yet. Yet. I know when I started out in the ministry full time, I worked under a pastor who was former military. And it was a very difficult experience for me to work under him. And I couldn't quite understand what God was doing with my life, putting me under such a difficult pastor to work for. I won't go into all that detail, but I know the first lesson he was teaching me at that time in my life, didn't get it till years later, but I started to understand the first lesson is, I have no business being in authority until I can learn to come under authority. I didn't want to learn that. Because sometimes the authority you have to come under stinks. Sometimes it's raw. Sometimes it's miserable. But that's a lesson you have to learn in life as you grow up. And as I reflect on life, I see these patterns now in my life. The first church I took where I was the senior pastor now. I'm the head honcho. I'm running the show. Fifty people. Lots of kids in the Sunday school. One adult in Sunday school. That was the first church I started or took over as a pastor. Big dreams, little ministry. I had to learn my second lesson <laughs> The second lesson I had to learn in life is God won't unleash you in the world until you can handle the little bit. If you're faithful in a little bit, God will give you more over time. Sometimes you get a big dream, but only a little is happening in your life. <clears throat> that led me to the third lesson, and the lesson I want to emphasize today God has taught me in the third lesson, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Now, I want to give you a lesson inside of all three of those lessons before I dive in. Because Jesus started with small beginnings. He has planned everything in the Christian life, everything in his life, everything in time and history around small beginnings. And that's why you have these parables here in Matthew chapter 4 to teach you that. And I've already gone through one before, and I want to go through the rest today. But this lesson within all these lessons is this. Don't make the mistake of seeking God for what He can do for you. Don't make that mistake. You have to seek God for God. That's what I've had to learn in my life. 
You have to learn to see God for God, not for what He can do for you. Be careful. Be careful now about seeking God's hand and not seeking God's face. David cried out to God, Oh God, help me. My enemies want to consume my flesh. They want to kill me. God, answer me. God, I seek your face. Oh God, have mercy upon me and give me an answer. And God said to me, Psalm 27, 8, David, seek my face. And David said, In my heart, O Lord, Your heart, your face will I seek. See, he had to learn to seek the face of God before he could ever seek the hand of God. A lot of Christians get that backwards in their life. They go after the hand of God instead of the face of God. And the truth of the matter is, you don't want your kids or your grandkids doing that to you. You don't want them coming to you and just because they want something or need something. You really want them to come because they want to be with you and they want to spend time with you and they want to love on you. That's what you really want. That's what God wants. He wants his face sought first, not his hand. Now in this passage of Scripture, this is the lesson you have to learn in the Christian life. And here I've outlined this message around this. There are four distinct characteristics of our Lord's kingdom. He's helped solidify, really, a lot of what I've done in ministry, and it makes sense to me as I study it from Mark chapter 4. First of all, number one, I want you to understand about his kingdom, it is time-sensitive. It is time-sensitive. Now, I'm going to give you the point of this up front. It's in verses 21 to 23 about this parable of the oil lamp, but, but I want to give you the point up front. Here's what he's saying. My kingdom may be small, but you need to get in now. You need to get in now. You need to get in early. You need to get in early. The kingdom of God has come, and that not everyone sees it, is what Jesus is going to say here. It's small and insignificant, but he says, but one day, one day, everyone will see it. Everyone will see it for what it is. Verse 21, he says it's like a, it says here a candle, but really it's an oil lamp is the translation in the Greek. An oil lamp, he said, is an oil lamp brought to be under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick or set on the table where it can be seen and give light? He says, do you bring an oil lamp in from outside? <clears throat> Let me show you a picture of that if I haven't done it already. But if you bring an oil lamp from, in, from outside and bring it into the house and hide it, no, you don't do that. Do you go through the hassle of lighting it just to hide it under a table or put a bushel bag over it, a bushel uh, basket over it? No, you don't do that. Jesus really isn't talking about any lamp. He's, it's a parable. He says, you let that lamp be seen so the whole room will light up. He's not just talking about any lamp. In the Old Testament, the law is called the lamp. Psalms 119.105 Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
The word thy word is the word law. Thy word, thy law is a lamp unto my feet. Okay, so in the Old Testament, it was the lamp. But in the New Testament, there's a shift. There's a shift. Now, you don't, you don't see this in the English, but I want you to see it here this morning. Notice this now. He said, is a candle. You see that there in the English? What struck me is all translations go with a candle. But in the original Greek, there's a definite article in front of the word lamp. It's not literally in the Greek is a lamp. Listen to it now. It is is the lamp put under a bushel? Is the lamp hidden under the table is the idea here. It's a definite article describing the lamp. <clears throat> the lamp comes into the lamp. The lamp comes into the house. Who is the lamp? That's not hard to figure out, is it? Jesus is the light of the world. He's the lamp. He's the lamp. Jesus is saying, I didn't come to be hidden in secrecy forever. I've been hidden for 30 years now. He's telling his disciples this parable. I've been hidden for 30 years. But now it's time to begin to manifest my glory into the darkness. I'm going to start small. I'm just going to start in a house. But I'm going to let that light continue to grow. And it's going to manifest my glory into the darkness. And when it gets manifested in the darkness, it'll expose the darkness. It'll expose the darkness. Because the world prefers darkness over light. The world loves the darkness because the world doesn't want to be exposed. There's something in your flesh that doesn't want to be exposed either. But the truth of the matter is, when Jesus comes and begins to do his work, he will expose the darkness. Verse 22. Now watch this here in verse 24. There is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. In verse 21, he's talking about his first coming. I'm coming to begin to put the lamp on the table. I'm beginning to expose the darkness. In verse 22, he's talking about the second coming, the end of the ages. It's amazing, he just jumps in one verse to the very end of the ages, and he says, I didn't come to be hidden in secrecy forever, but one day at the end of the age, he said, I promise you this, all will be manifested. I will be manifested in my full glory, like you've never seen or never will see until that time. Now, how did he start? I started in a very small, secret kind of way. When I started small, one day I'll be manifested in a great way. Now, what do men do? They don't manifest themselves completely. He said, right now, people hide things. They hide things from each other. But he says, one day, just as I am fully manifested, I will reveal all things in men's hearts. Now, you disciples, you see me for who I am, and you believe. You haven't connected all the dots yet, but you're in the program because you believed. You have put your trust and faith in me. But one day, all, all will see me for who I am. All will see me for who I am. 
And every knee shall bow of things in the heaven, of things in the earth, and things under the earth. Even those creepy crawly things that are down there. They'll all be revealed and everything that was hidden, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now as I'm revealed on that day, it's not just who I am. It's not just who I am. I will be revealed but so will you. So will you. He who has ears to hear, he better listen right now. He better listen because all secrets will be laid bare on that day. Now, truth is, this is either good news or bad news. Okay, just put it real simple. This is good news or bad news. It can be a source of tremendous comfort to you, and it can be a source of tremendous concern for you. You say, how could it be a, a source of tremendous comfort? Because right now, in this day, you are going to face oppression for what you hold and believe, and things are going to be hidden. And as you face that oppression about what you believe, it may be a college class for that matter. I was thinking of some of our college kids who go off to college, and you go into that class and you find Jesus is mocked and attacked. That's hidden. That's hidden right now. Nobody knows what you're up against. Nobody knows what you're facing. Nobody knows the oppression you're under. And this verse is to be a tremendous comfort to you. Or you've got a big family and you get together and somehow the topic of Jesus comes up or the topic of God comes up. Or somehow the topic of moral issues come up. And they don't want to hear it. And they'll tell you you're wrong. Why don't you just love me? I am trying to love you. They don't see it. See, it's hidden. It's hidden. You can see it, but they can't see it. And that's to be a tremendous comfort you. You say, oh, I don't feel comforted by that sometimes. Because sometimes you get in your car and you say, good gracious, I hope I'm right. The way that conversation went, it didn't go so well. But God says, that may be hidden right now. But I'll reveal it and it'll be a great source of comfort to you because you chose the Word of God. Now, it could be a matter of great comfort, but it could be a matter of great concern. Truth is coming, is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, he's saying, do you need to get out in front of it? Do you need to get out in front of it? The truth of the matter is, you may be here today, and uh, you have not yet asked him to forgive you for all of your sin and put your sin upon him. Have you claimed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? What he's telling you is, you're on the clock. You're on the clock. You've only got so much time to make this decision. And there is a time coming where there's no more forgiveness. He will return, his kingdom will come, and it will be in full-blown majesty, and all the world will see it. Now is your time. Now is your time to repent and get that thing straightened out in your life. Confess him as Lord, as the risen Christ risen from the dead, and be saved. Get in front of it. That's what he's saying. Get in front of it. Let me just say, if you're a Christian, it could be a matter of concern to you too. You say, well, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. But you have some things in your life that you're doing in secret. 
that should be a matter of concern to you. Jesus says, not forever, not forever. You may be keeping these secrets very well right now. You hope no one finds out. But he says, do you have a ear to hear? Do you have an ear to hear? That's what he says. Look at verse 24. He says, take heed. There's usually the word hyper-listen again. Take heed and hyper-listen this. Do you have an ear to hear? If you're a Christian, there may be some things you're doing in secret. You hope no one finds out. But right now, you're not really hyper-listening to what Jesus is saying. Your thought is, "Mm, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Let me tell you, when you get there, there is no bridge. It's going to be exposed. It's going to be exposed. You say, well, I need to keep hiding it right now. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, that all our works, this is Christians now in 1 Corinthians 3, the judgment seat of Christ, all our works shall be made manifest. And those that are of wood, hay, and stubble will be burned up. The Bible says we'll suffer loss. One of those things is our secrets. They'll be revealed by fire. And I'm just going to level with you. That sobers me. I feel great comfort in this verse, and I feel great concern. Not because I'm not saved, but I think about the things that I do with my life that are not revealed, things that have to be burned up in my life, and it grieves my heart. And it makes me think, I don't want that. I don't want any more things like that. I want to have... have Open manifestation of my life right now because that's what God's trying to do in me. As he's going to be working toward full manifestation, he wants you to work toward full manifestation. So, it just works both ways. Let's go on. Number two, let me tell you the second thing about his kingdom. His kingdom is a good investment. His kingdom is a good investment. Verse 24, and he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that ye shall hear, shall more be given. For he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. He's talking about the investment in the kingdom. He says, pay attention. Hyper-listen. Now, what is he saying here? He's telling you that there are levels of degrees of listening. There are levels of degrees of listening in your life. Have you ever talked to someone and you are just totally engaged with that person? You are listening. They're nodding their head. They're listening to you. You're listening to them. And I mean you're fully engaged and you feel engaged. And then there's other times. Have you ever felt like you're talking to someone and they, they got like a remote in their hand? And they keep flipping the channels and you're talking to them, but you know they're not engaged and they just keep saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever been in a situation? That's my wife. (laughs) No, that's not my wife. All right, that's me. There's times when I hear my wife and I'm dialed in. I am dialed in. And there are times when I don't pay attention and I'm just totally disconnected. See, there are levels of listening with my wife. There are levels of listening with Jesus. It works the same way. Jesus says, when I'm speaking, hyper-listen to what you hear. So what he does is he quotes a well-known proverb here that would have been known in that day, not known to us, but let me describe it to you. It's a weight system in the marketplace. 
And that weight system, I want you to see a picture of that. That weight system is how he, a vendor, would measure things out. He'd have these little ounce measured things. And so one of the most common one was an eight ounce measure. And that's probably the one he's using here in this illustration. He would take an eight ounce measure and put it against the food or whatever he was selling. And he would weigh it on the way. Now you'd go around the marketplace and you'd wonder, I wonder if that's really eight ounces. Because they'd cut them. They'd cut them down to seven ounces. How are you going to tell seven ounces from eight ounces in a weight? How are you going to tell seven and a half ounces from eight ounces? So a lot of times you'd ask the vendor, is that eight, eight ounces? Oh, yeah, 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 that's eight ounces. It looks a little shrink to me, a little shrinkflation's going on there. Oh, no, no, it's eight ounces. We didn't shrink the bag. We didn't make the peanut can smaller and charge you the same price. No, 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 no shrinkflation here. Well, it looks a little fishy. So the saying was that went around town, the measure you use will be measured back to you. If you really did have seven ounces... One day that'll come back to you. In other words, what goes around comes around. That's the way we say it. What goes around comes around. Uh, if you use a fake measure, God says, I'll see to it. It catches up with you one day. It'll catch up with you. Jesus uses this proverb that was well known and applies it to the way we listen and dive into God's word. This is an amazing thing. This is the context. How do we listen? The measure you listen, I'll measure it back to you. That's what God says. As you dive into the word, as you desire to hear it, as you have an open heart, you say to God, oh God, teach me as I come to the word today. Jesus is like, I will. And if you come with that kind of spirit to hear the word of God, or you come with that kind of spirit as you study the word of God, God says... I'll measure back to you what you invested. And as a matter of fact, I'll give you a little bonus. I'll throw in a little extra for you. More will be added to your life. Now, if you bring your whole self in to listen, Jesus says, I'll meet you and I'll give you more. The level of investment you make to listen to God's word is directly related to what you get out of it. And then Jesus says, there's one exception. If you don't listen much, if you're really not vested, you really don't care, he said, I'll see that the little you got will be taken away from you. Practically speaking, all of us have experienced this on both sides. He's talking about a person who has a dry season in their life. There's a dry season spiritually. There's no time in the Word. There's no prayer. There's no atten their attendance to church is weak. One week they're here, then one week they miss, and then one week turns into four months. They're demotivated. They're really not motivated. I'm saying there's a spiritual relational dynamic going on, and God does it that way. A spiritual relational dynamic to our faith. It works the same way with your wife. If you, if you don't tune into your wife, what happens? Walls come down. Or walls go up, I should say. Walls go up in the relationship because you didn't listen. It's the same way with Jesus. It's the same way with Jesus. And so, if you come to learn of him, God says, I'll see you'll be blown away and amazed. I'll do something inside your heart. I'll give you a bonus over that one. The more you get into it, the more you'll get out of it. 
The more you get into it, the more you'll get out of it. That's what Jesus is saying. He'll say, I'm going to be so close to you. I'm going to be so real to you. It's going to be like I'm sitting in the room with you. That's, that's the idea here. There's a, it's a good investment. His kingdom is a good investment to put time in it, to give yourself to it. If you'd come this morning and you'd say, the more I put in, the more I'll get out. The more I put in, the more I'll get out. I mean, what if you did that? What if in the next few days you got in front of Jesus and you really listened to him? You really listened to him. You hyper-listened. Jesus, I'm coming to your word today and I really want to know what's on your heart. And then if you will listen to me, I want to tell you what's on my heart. I want to tell you what's on my heart. I mean, if you came to Jesus, all of you, all of you, no remote, no phone, just you and me, just you and me, no distractions. Here I come, Lord, I want to bring a full measure. And I'd love a full measure back. And I'd like that bonus you talked about because I'm kind of dragging. Jesus says, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it for you. Anytime you spend time with him, it's a good investment. All right, let's go on. Number three, number three. His kingdom is guaranteed growth. His kingdom is guaranteed growth. Verse 26. He said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast a seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day. It means he goes on day and day and day. And the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest has come. This parable is meant to give you a shot in the arm. The kingdom, his kingdom is guaranteed growth. I love this. The, the farmer may ask, uh, the, da uh, the, the, the daughter may ask the farmer, for example, uh, Dad, how's this work? How's this farming work? He says, well, it's pretty simple. Uh, I take a seed, I put it in the ground, I cover it up with the soil, and I go to bed. You go to bed? Yeah. Then I get up the next morning, and I go to bed that night, and I get up again, and I go to bed, I get up, I go to bed, get up, get up, and all of a sudden... This ear, this blade, this grain starts coming up out of the ground. When it's ready, I go out, I cut it down, I crush it, I mix it with some oil, and we cook it and we eat it. Now, Dad, tell me how that happens again. I go out, I put a seed in the ground, I cover it up with soil, and I go to bed. And then I go to bed the next night, and the next night, and the next night, and the next night. I don't know how it's doing it. But then comes the blade, the grass, and then the fruit, the seed of it. It just happens. It just happens. How's it happen? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's energized in the earth, and it grows over time while you're asleep. While you're asleep, the seed is coming to life couple things you need to understand about that. First of all, it's imperceptible. Now, he's talking about the way the kingdom of God works. 
It is imperceptible how God is working. You can't watch it grow. You can't watch it work. You think you can watch it work, but you really don't know. It's like trying to watch the grass grow. Who does that? If anybody does that in here, we say you're wasting your time. You're never going to be able to see the grass grow. So it's imperceptible. It's mysterious. You don't really know how it happens. You don't know how the kingdom of God works. You don't know what God is up to. You don't know what God is doing in hearts. But what he is saying, the point of the parable is this, the certainty of growth in the seed. That seed is going to grow. If you'll plant it, if you'll put it out there, if you'll put the word out there, it will grow. It will grow, even though you don't know how. You don't know how it works. You plant the seed in someone, you don't know how it happens. You can't watch it. You can't see it. All the farmer's got is the faith to believe it'll happen. That's all he's got. He's got the faith to believe it'll happen. I don't know how it happens. I don't know how that seed grows. All I know is it will happen. See, we have no idea how powerful the simple word of God can be. This is so important. This is important for me and it's important for you. I can't tell you the stories. I wish I had time today, but... Somebody came up to me not too long ago and said, God used that comment you made in a sermon, and I'm going into the ministry now. What did I say? They told me what I said. I, wow. Somebody came to me one time said, you said something in a message, and that saved my marriage. Well, how did they do that? It's very humbling. Because all I really did was use the word of God. I'm just the delivery boy. I can't get you to go to the mission field. I can't get you to, I can't save your marriage. I can't do any of those things. All I did was put the word out there. And what God's trying to say is, Rob, you don't see what's happening in anybody's heart. Everything is so hidden. That's how God designed it. God designed it so it would be hidden. Barna Research said in 2021, 20,000 preachers left the ministry. 5,000 churches closed and 20,000 preachers left the ministry. Number one reason? Because they felt unappreciated. Second reason? They felt like they were spinning their wheels. Third reason? Nothing is happening. The kingdom of God is so hidden. It's not like you can throw a seed out and 10 minutes later you've got a harvest. It just doesn't work that way. God has seen to it. There's no way you're going to have a humongous harvest. What do we do? We just plant the seeds and we go to bed and we sleep. And God's working. God germinates the seed. Now if you teach here, or you serve here, and you say, is it worth it? It doesn't matter if it's worth it or not. It doesn't matter if you see it or not. You say, well, I can't see the fruit. He said, just do it. Just do it and go to bed. Get up the next day, do it again. Go to bed. Just get up the next day, go to bed. You don't know what God's doing. You're just held accountable to do it. You're just held accountable to get the seed out there. 
That's what we do. It's just so simple. We take the light of his word, we make it plain, and then we let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> That's it. That's what I've learned. That's what I've learned. I hope you'll learn that too. Number four, let me go on. His kingdom has incredible return. His kingdom has incredible return. Verse 30 says, where shall we liken the kingdom of God or what comparison shall we compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. When it is sown, it groweth up and bring, becometh greater than all the herbs, shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. I like this one the best. I like all these, but these parables are so unique in this sense that he loves to come back to the seed. That's his favorite. The hidden seed is how he has done his kingdom and how he will continue to build his kingdom is the hidden seed. Now, this one has incredible return. The last one focused on the certainty of growth. It's growing there. You can't see it. You don't even know how it grows. But he said this is the focus on the contrast of start to finish. Start to finish. Start to finish. The mustard seed's the smallest seed known in Galilee at that time. The smallest seed. I, I remember <clears throat> taping a mustard seed in my Bible, so I went looking for it yesterday. I couldn't find it. I taped it in there, and I said, I know it's in here somewhere. So I looked up all the passages with mustard seed, and there it was in Matthew chapter 17. And I kept, oh yeah, there it is, that little stinking seed. There it is. Can you see it? I taped it there because I always want to remember that. I love the mustard seed. There's so many stories about the mustard seed. It's the smallest seed, and when it's put in a garden, it starts out very small. It's the smallest in the garden. But then it begins to sprout and grow, and it goes up to 10 to 12 feet in its reach and its height, and it takes over the garden. It takes over the garden. It becomes the largest plant in the garden. This is, this is amazing. This is God's whole plan right here on a seed, in a mustard seed, all right? Jesus started and ended his ministry with just about what he started with. He started with 12, and when he died, he ended with 120, 120 gathered in the upper room. So his total ministry of his whole life with all his miracles, everything he did, walking on the water, everything he did, casting out demons, he ends up with, 120. That's more than in this room. I mean, that's less than in this room. 12 to 120. This is what Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like. I purposely made it like this. I purposely made it like this. But just go 2,000 years down the road, and there's a whole lot more. There's millions upon millions. Not only is there millions upon millions, but it changed the course of history changed the course of history, but Jesus didn't get to see all that from earthly perspective. He saw it from a heavenly perspective. And it's still not what it shall be. It continues to grow and grow and grow till the Father says, that's it. And he tells his son to go gather everyone home. That's, that's the kingdom of God. He says, just take a mustard seed. Now, I'm not talking about a a handful of mustard seed, okay? Did, did I already show this picture? If you haven't seen this picture, put it up. The, the handful of mustard seed is, is, that's not what he's talking about. That, that, that would make sense to me, a handful of mustard seed, because there's a lot of mustard seed right there. No, he's talking about one seed, one seed. This is that one you can put it on your finger. 
okay? This is how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God is a seed. It's a seed, and it's that small. This is how it all started. I'd like you to remember this, okay, after you leave this message. Forget everything else, but don't, don't, don't forget this, okay? It's, it's in three parts. Here it is. All I have is a seed on my side. All I have is a seed on my side. That's all you got. That's all you got, because that's how God delights to work. All I have is a seed on my side. But the Bible says if we have one grain of a mustard seed, one grain, the kingdom of God's going to be like this, your life's going to be like this. If you have one grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed, and it shall be cast in the sea. That's, that's an amazing, amazing truth. This, this mustard seed just... Uh, captures my attention. A little itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, micro-dot of faith. A micro-dot of faith. A, a, a microscopic bit of faith. Just an atom of faith. Just an atom of faith. If you just had an atom of faith, if you had any substance of faith down in you, that still believes that God can. You can speak to this mountain, and it shall be moved. Ah, but Pastor Rob, you don't know what I've been through. You, know, you don't know how many have left me. You don't know how much I've lost. I've lost my car. I've lost my house. I've lost children. I got hurt in this church. I got hurt in that church. I don't care. The mountain can still be moved if you have just a little, little faith. All I have is a seed on my side. That's it. I don't want you to forget that, okay? All I have is a seed. Let's say that together because some of you are going to forget this, all right? Try it with me. Ready? All I have is a seed on my side. Okay, forget everything else, but don't forget that, okay? Because I know you got a short memory, so remember that one, okay? All I have is a seed on my side. Isn't it amazing? God's kingdom is going to whip the devil with a seed. It's incredible. And you can too. You say, how, how can I? You got a little bit? Got a little seed? That's it. That's all you need. I just wanted you to see this. I wanted to stir your faith. I should have brought a wheelbarrow today. Get a wheelbarrow and some buckets, brought them out here. Why? If you're going to move something, you're going to need something to put it in, okay? If you're going to move a mountain, you've got to put it in something, all right? You don't need a handful of seed. You don't need a handful of seed. you just got to hold on to one seed. All I have is a seed on my side. i got just a little bit, a little bit. All I have is a seed on my side. The seed may be small compared to what you need God to do. But God just says you need a little bit. Just need a little seed. God said, that's all you need. I know what you got is a whole lot bigger, and I know you need me to do that in your life, but, but you just need a seed. You see, somewhere in your life, you're under attack. 
Somewhere in your life you're under attack. Somewhere in your life you've cried. Somewhere in your life you've stressed over something. Somewhere in your life you worried. And the problem still persists. Why? <clears throat> because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God. Now hear me, okay? To pull down a spiritual stronghold, you've got to use a spiritual weapon. You've got to use a spiritual weapon. When everything is said and done, you overcome it by faith. That's a weapon. You've got to do it by faith. How are they going to raise their children? By faith. How are they going to buy that property? By faith. How are they going to finish school? By faith. How are they going to be a good mother? By faith. How are they going to be a good preacher? How are they going to build a kingdom? How are they going to survive the storms? See, by faith. You either believe that or you don't. You either believe that or you don't. And you got to make up your mind. I'm going to be a Christian that believes God at the level of a mustard seed. Don't have much. Don't have to have much. Just enough to say, I believe God. I think that's what he's trying to say in all these seed parables. And that's what I want you to walk home with today. Let's pray. Okay, with every head bowed, eyes closed, if you're here and you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you never claimed Him as Lord, you never put yourself under Him and submitted and said, I'm a sinner. My sin deserves judgment. Listen, I want you to get in front of Jesus because you're on the clock. You're on the clock. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to give you the truth. You're on the clock. And there's only so much time to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Say, Jesus, you died for me. You were the sacrifice for my sin. Man, I can't be good enough. I can't earn it. I just come taking advantage of your full grace. There's nothing I can do to earn it. I just receive it by faith. If that's your need today, you need to accept Him as Lord and Savior. We want to help you. We want to help you grow. We want to help you understand that. It just starts small. It starts small, but then it grows. It grows inside of you. Now, if you're here and you're a child of God, I want you to get in front of Jesus too. Maybe you want to come to the altar today. I mean, I mean, you want to come and you want to, all of you wants to come. And you want to bring a full measure. Even if you're dragging. Even if you say, I see little results. But you have something right now in your heart. You have someone right now on your heart. And you need to believe God for them. You say, here I come, Jesus. 
All I got is a seed on my side. And Jesus says to you, that's enough. That's enough. So this morning, I invite you to this altar. Is there someone or something that you need to bring today to this altar that you need to believe in God for? Say, all I got is a seed on my side. Jesus said, you said, that's enough. I believe you. You bring it for whatever that is or for whoever that is. Father, I lay this message before you. I thank you for its truth. I thank you for the way you're working in my life. You started so small. You took so much time. I got so frustrated. I got discouraged. I was confused. But but I see it now. I see it. I see it all. And I want to thank you. I just had to go home and go to bed. wait on you there's many in this room that feel the same way oh that we could rest in you this morning I give you all the glory and honor now in Jesus name amen amen let's stand to our feet this morning the altar is open the altar invitation is very clear if you have someone or something you need to believe God for someone or something I want you to bring it all of you full measure God, my faith may not be much, but this is on my heart today. Let's sing together as he leads us in song.